Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Four Blades in a Pub, back again to talk about our beloved Blades. And I'm really pleased this evening to welcome back from his uh, trip to sunny Cornwall, Philip. Good evening. Good evening. Good to be back. Dan, all the way from Hello. Norway, who's gone to find out. This is how seriously we take our journalistic integrity on this podcast on all the way to Norway to interview fans on their thoughts on Standerberg's next club. Uh, how's how's things over in Norway, Dan? Well, everyone I've spoken to since I've been here thinks Berger's destined for Liverpool. So I've had to put a few people straight in Norway. He's not. Um, good. But I mean, I hope I've not got egg on my face this time tomorrow night. But yeah, they all seem to think he's destined for Liverpool. Um, I also had a look how far Roger Nielsen was from where I am now after the conversation we had in the last pod as to how much money he owes me. Um, so if I've got enough time tomorrow, I may drive the thousand miles north to, to get me 300 quid back. I've probably spunked on him over that when he traveling him first goal scorer for about three seasons. So listen for the bell, Nielsen, it tolls for thee. Yeah, and also, Roger, if you want to come on for a chat at any point, we'd also take that as payment, and then Dan doesn't have to drive the length and breadth of Norway. And, of course, I'm John, and I'm also joined by Ian. Good evening, Ian. Good evening. But, yeah, um, we're going to keep it like we've been two games since we last got together, um, and obviously it's probably best to focus the majority on the tremendous performance last night. But we'll start with... Uh, talking about Friday night's point at Luton, me and Ian went, had a terrible view. Um, I don't like watching a game like that. I find it really difficult. Um, um, but great old ground and really good point in the end, I think. I'd agree with that in hindsight. I think... I thought we might at the time, but I think come the end of the season, you know, that'll be a good point. They they were they were top six for a reason last year, and they've got a way of playing, and it was very effective. Got a good result, got a good result last night. So you know, I think keep picking up those away points for now and winning at home, and we'll be fine. I think that's a fair summing up. I think my word I used at half time is I wanted a reaction second half because first half we were really poor, in my opinion. I thought, like I said, we lost individual battles all over the pitch apart from maybe McBurney. We were carrying McAtee from about 10 minutes in. Didn't look like he wanted to be there or involved at all. And, and at half time, you'd want to see us react positively, and we did do. And you're right, we probably didn't kick on as much as we needed to to win the game, but. All you can ask is for a reaction when you don't start very well, and we've got it. It's, it's always frustrating in games like that when the game finishes and you, you think before the game we possibly we've got a good chance of getting three points, and it turns out to be a, a scrappy one-one. And there's a bit of frustration in the immediate aftermath. But I think, like, I said, like you said, Ian, with hindsight, when the dust settled after a day or so, you realise it's a good point, and there won't be that there won't be that many teams. They won't get turned over at home much this season. They really won't. It was one of those, and it's, it's, it, I, it was my first trip to Kenilworth Road um, to take another ground off. And like John said, it, it obviously there's no there's no stand being done up. They just stuck seats on the terrace. It's close. You're close into the pitch. We were so shallow that the, the, the view up the right road, but the crowd was up. They got behind and it was noisy. You know, it's it's not an easy place. Like you say, it's not an easy place to go and, and get a result. And certainly not with the way they kind of got in our faces, closed us down. Um, I'm amazed more teams don't do that. But that's, that's probably leading into a conversation about last night. But um, no, um, shame Luke Freeman found his boot. And a bit of whatever towards the end. Um, but yeah, didn't, didn't, he did he more. In, too much trouble. He did more in well, the last eighty-five minutes against us, I think, or whatever it was. He looked more effective in those eighty-five minutes than he did in three seasons. It was two seasons and a season out on loan. So um, yeah, 
probably more than he did when he was out on loan as well. Yeah. I think he's just one of those players, Luke Freeman, that he just didn't, he wasn't right for us. He's still a good, he's a good footballer, always has been, but he never really found his feet with us. He got a couple of injuries and didn't really get much luck on the way. When he started the Premier League season, he looked all right when Fleck got injured against Palace and he played it for a bit then, didn't he? But um, yeah, shame. I think, um, I think, like you say, we've said it a few times, haven't we? If we look back at the end of the season, a point away at Luton won't be a bad result at all. I think for just, just kind of lastly on Freeman, he kind of falls into that ever-burgeoning category under Wilder of players who brought in who should have been an upgrade on what we already had but didn't actually do it, you know, in, a, in the kind of... Samia Carruthers, Callum Robinson, Luke Freeman, um, who was the kid with the long hair who brought in to try and replace Duffy? Holmes. Oh, Ricky Holmes. Ricky Holmes. Uh, Leonard. Yeah, Leonard. All these players who were going to be who were going to be improvements on what we had, and, and never actually turned out to be. And I think it's kind of testament to Eckingbottom that he's managing to to actually bring these improvements in. He's actually managing to bring these these upgrades in. So. One one other thing probably worth picking up from Friday night, you know, and I mentioned, you know, I thought the only one winning these battles at half time was was McBurney, and I tweeted what, you know, I thought McBurney was having a good game. He was him and, and Jai were getting on I can't remember, I'll not repeat what Phil described and Jai as being how, how he was being challenged at half <laughs> half time on Friday, but um, <laughs> he it was a very close uh, physical um challenges in on him and he was you know getting buffed around but I thought McBurney stood up to it and I wasn't to say I thought McBurney was great but in a generally poor performance he was one of those who like I say, was in his battles and got pelters for saying that he went on to win man of the match partly possibly his goal but actually continued to win the flick-ons try and lay the ball off try and bring people into the game you know and it was you know I, we've said it before we you know we've criticized him on here there was no reason to criticise him on Friday night, yet people couldn't see past the blinkers that they had on, you know. Yeah, the, the, he's, he's created those, that view of them. You know, he's not, he's, he's certainly generated that, but at some point, you've just got to look past that and acknowledge someone's having a good game. And that was my frustration on Friday night, as much as the, the you know, the first half performance and the result was, sometimes we, we just get too one-eyed and, and can't see what's in front of us sometimes. Yeah, I think I think with the McBurney thing, people hate it when when that happens to a player. Almost like he's crap. Like, like he wasn't going to get sold if he wasn't scoring goals. He wasn't going to disappear. And I think I said before the Luton game that <clears throat> Ben and Andrew on Blades Pod had said they they were strongly of the belief that um, Eckingbottom and Co. clearly felt they could probably knock a tune out of McBurney a bit easier than Booster. And the last week shown that to very much be the case. Um I think so, that's a good lead for last night, John. You talk yeah. about a player turning around the opinions of fans. I mean, I didn't go to the Blackburn game, as you know, but when he when he came on in the previous game, I think it was Sunderland, and, and you could hear chants of the Bernie scores were on the pitch. From minute one yesterday, there were um, he's our striker, he's our number nine ringing around Bramall Lane, and it's for a player that we've criticised on air quite heavily. It's really nice to hear fans actually getting behind him as quickly as what they have, and he deserves it for the way, especially but the way he played last night. It was just phenomenal. It's it's just great to see that player that we saw flashes of in the first season in the Premier League, but now we seem to have got one that I don't know. He seems to have. He's clearly being coached in a way that suits him because he's playing in our system and he's playing in our system effectively. And yeah, um, I think that I can only imagine the release of adrenaline when he scored on Friday. Like how and that, he, how well did he take that as well? Yeah, someone said oh, he missed kicks it. Well, he, he sets himself up for the volley and he connects and scores. I don't think you can. Whether, oh, is it with this wrong part of his foot? Like, what for level a, are you analysing players now? For a, for a striker who was in form, that would have been a good finish. For a striker yeah. who was as badly out of form as he was, what is it, no goals in 42, that's a hell of a finish. Because if a striker's in form, they're almost hitting that instinctively. It comes across, they don't think about it, it's just muscle memory, bang. Obviously, 
you know, we know about strikers and, and how the confidence can be affected. They can overthink things. It's, you know, it's easy to, to get inside your own head. So for him to take that as he did, full on the volley, outside of the foot, cutting across it, it's, it's a great finish. If you, when, Who's saying better finish when you that? Everything else in. Seriously, though, who's saying that he's missed it? That Dave of Plummer from Answorth, who's never kicked a ball. He knew exactly what he was doing, cutting across. Like it someone said at half time, we don't want him fighting on the pitch and winning battles and doing this. I'm like, oh, he's on to score goals. Well, never got a reply when he did score. And, you know, that was a game where we, we, we needed to win some of our physical battles to get, get on the ball and retain possession. And, you know, and like you say, it, it, confidence done him a world of good, especially going into last night. And obviously Nathan Jones is trying to portray himself and them as the hard boys of the division. So who else in our team would you want leading line against that than somebody who's had more winnings with fucking law than uh, Stringer Bell? Like, so... <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, more police, police has watched this list than uh, Stringer Bell. But, like, in all seriousness, like, I just find it... Uh, like, hopefully now that even if he doesn't score for a few games, we're done with that, and we let's just focus on what Ekinbottom and McCall and Co are clearly trying to do, and that's get the best out of him. Now, if you want to talk about getting the best out of people, we can probably talk about everyone who started and played for United last night. Maybe give or take some people towards the back end of the pitch, but up up the up front and in midfield. We put together a thoroughly comprehensive and lovely to watch performance against Reading. Even Kevin Gage didn't uh, dampen it for me on SGTV. It was it was from start to finish absolutely phenomenal. There was some great individual performances, and it's really nice to be a team managed by that fucking clown as well. So it was just must have been great to be at the lane. Start my new job today, so I couldn't be there last night, sadly. But yeah, phenomenal. To be fair to Ince, and I'm not it's not often I can say that. He's um apparently post-match he was full of praise for both United, hoping we go on to fulfill what we've got because he likes Hecky and McCall and the way we you know, the way they've gone about things and the way we play football. So he has, he has. I've seen that, I've, I've kind yeah. of seen that on Twitter. He's also had a he's had a little bit of a wilder at us, hasn't he? You know, the, the big hitters on 20 grand a week. Yeah. He's kind of said they, brought, they, took, they took a £20 million striker off and brought a £20 million striker on. Which has kind of gone, he's had a bit of a wilder at us, but I suppose we can uh, we can excuse him for that. Apparently, Jem Karachan was chirping about Norwood. He was doing some sort of punditry co-coms for, uh, for, for Reddings, I'm guessing Reddings, um, Reddings official channel. And he was chirping about Norwood being a, a show pony and a moaner, apparently. Um, I mean, you can accuse Norwood of being many things. Show pony is, is absolutely not one of them. He's, he's one of the most, I don't know what the word is, functional professional midfielders you've ever seen. He's, he's not a show pony. He's not, in the, he's not doing a Richarlison. He's not doing... Kick-ups on, he's not he's, doing kick-ups up corner flag and, and doing Rabonas and stuff like that. He's the epitome of ball efficiency. Yeah. So, he, and Jevon Karachan is a fucking dick. That's all we need to say on that matter. What a fucking prick. What's he on about? Show pony. Pod title there. Jem Karachan, is, Jem Karachan is a prick. He'll probably chirp about us. Bloody Berkshire. On a weird part of the world. Sorry, Phil. But like... Not from Berkshire. I know, I'm joking. I'm just... Well, I was just going to say, Karachan's played, what, 200 professional games. When he's when he's played as often as Norwood has, played for his country, come through at Man U, then he can pipe up, can't he? The only thing I can think of is, Norwood used to have bleach blonde hair. Is that what he's getting at? That <laughs> might have been when he were a red. <laughs> Norwood keep Karachan that. out of the side by any chance. Is that, <laughs> is that what it is? Well, I, I searched, I've been, I've been seeing the tweet and retweeted it because someone had took the rain fan and go, highlight of the night was Karachan assassinating Ollie Norwood on Radio Barch. And I said, well, my highlight of the night was Ollie Norwood assassinating Reading FC on the football pitch. <laughs> and I went looking for more tweets on it. But all I could find was team news from 2015, I think it was, when they were, and they were playing on the pitch together. 
Yeah. You never uh, passed a coach on because it was shit. <laughs> but that, that you're right. I mean, that, that midfield performance last night from Norwood and in particular Doyle was, was outstanding. Doyle was, I know, obviously, I said on the group last night, John, that, that Doyle looks you know, everything that McAtee wasn't. And, I, and I, you know, obviously, I get that he's got a year of men's football under his belt with, uh, with Cardiff last season, but he just looked. I thought Doyle was outstanding. He actually enabled him, played a different way, obviously, to fight because he was not as sort of dynamic running with the ball. But what he was doing was popping up all over and providing options. And I think that that certainly allowed Norwood to be a lot more confident. And I think the thing that surprised me was, and I alluded to earlier, how much time and space Reading gave us. There was just no closing down whatsoever. So it did give them time to, to move and play. And there was just no tracking. I think we pressed more at three and four nil up than they managed, apart from probably a 10 minute spell late in the first half. I don't think they, they got near us. Um, and that's good. Don't worry, that's good, good movement as well from us. But Doyle popping up as he was. And, and, it, and it just brought Berger in it, but Bernie and Jai into the game. And it, the, some of that interplay was just... Someone, someone said to me, one of, one of my colleagues at work said today, he said, he, thought, he felt it was watching the, that last night at half-time, even though we weren't 3-0 up. He said he, that's the closest thing he can compare to that first half against Burnley in the Premier League, where we were just moving the ball around so well. Yeah. I thought it was an interesting comparison. That first 20 minutes was up there with as complete a performance as I've ever seen from us. It was that good. Everything about what we did was just brilliant. The passing, the movement, the tracking, the not giving them any time or space. It was just tremendous. And you're right, they did, they did, I think they tweaked something. I think they dropped one of the forwards into midfield a little bit, and it took us a little bit of getting sort of to grips with. But the way we started that game, we can't have started many games like that in the recent history. Just started like a train, didn't we? The thing is, this system. That we've got, like you said, they drop a forward into midfield, and ordinarily, and, and you know, ten years ago under people like Blackwell and Warnock, that would have stifled us. But this system with the fullbacks pushing, the wingbacks pushing so high, and, and the, the centre halves having that license to kind of roam, and almost they're almost like auxiliary midfielders at times, aren't they? Said last night on Twitter, I think he's brilliant. Gone are the overlapping uh, overlapping centre halves. We've now got inverted centre halves. <laughs> yeah, we yeah we have. Yeah, right. And the thing is, there's lots of teams that have tried to do it over the years. When everyone kind of lauded Pep when he first came to Man City, when he used to push his wing backs, his full backs into midfield. So like when Mendy first came in, it would have been Walker or he used to push them into midfield to to kind of make extra midfielders and everyone said you know how good that was and we're now doing it with, with centre halves and Akma Hodzic in particular who just I know we keep saying it and we're going to be boring people but I absolutely have no idea how we've got him A to play in the championship and B for as little as we have because he should be playing top in a top European league somewhere and should be going for Eight to ten times what we paid for him, and he clearly loves it here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Doesn't look like great. someone who's coming here with an eye to, you know, spending five months here and bobbying off, does he? No, I have to say that the one of the highlights last night was when he met the cross for the corner for his second, for his first goal. The thud mm. as his boot met the ball, you could hear it so loud, and then you just. The ball just flashed. I mean, it, it, I can't describe how quickly it just came out from because there were a couple of players it came through the players, and then that it actually made that fantastic noise where the ball hits the back of the net. That kind of not a rustle, but you know that kind of as it hits the back of the net, and it was just like, is that just Russell Achmahodzic? Is that his brother? <laughs> God, <laughs> I, 
Amla Hodzic is always going to get the plaudits, especially after a performance and two goals last night. But massive shout goes out to Reese Norrington Davis as well. Considering he's not really a centre-half, although I think he could be making a claim for it being his permanent position, I thought last night he was just tremendous. And what I like about him most is so aggressive as a defender. And we haven't had a defender that aggressive since O'Connell played. Yeah. And it's um, great they, to see. The pace to do recovery challenges and the, its ability to, like, the physicality of his running, it, like, he's, he's been really good. Like, like, I think, like, long has gone is any debate about him, like, being up to it or... Because we've all, you know, some, he has had good games, he's had bad games. He's very much in and around the first team now. And it's it's so refreshing to see him grabbing that opportunity with both hands. And and equally, like, the quality of Lowe's delivery for the McBurney goal. In you know, in, it's an early cross as well. We've talked about this. And, I mean, we even had a pod called a fullback who puts it less in. I can't remember. It was something to do with erectile dysfunction. But... It's like in that area of the pitch, really, really positive down that left-hand side. And if somebody had said to us at the beginning of the season, Norrington Davis will be playing centre-half next to Lowe after the first game, we're like, Jesus Christ, we're going to be in a relegation fight. But, yeah, phenomenal. Just just on that battling point as well, I thought Norwood put one or two tackles in last night as well, proper, full-blooded. Again, something you don't often see in his game. Not from a show pony, now. Not from a show pony. I but, actually disagree with you, and I think it's always been there. I think he, he missed a lot in the Premier League, but I remember us talking about this not long after he signed, saying that it isn't just the show, the, the Hollywood balls that you see, but he wins a lot of balls on the edge of our box. And it, it's becoming more and more evident. I think there was something like six out of six tackles he won last night. By the way, just to digress a little bit, is uh, Steve Cooper going to be the next victim of the 9-0 defeats? It's currently five. Hopefully. And then he can go back to Notre Dame because they might have finished rebuilding it by the time he gets sacked. So he can go and stand on the wall there again. There's only seven minutes to go, though, isn't it? Might as well stop time. Yeah, it it was half seven kickoff of all things. Right. Of course, it depends if he comes out and, um, and kind of rubbishes his board after this and says we need help and we need more money and his board go no only buy one mate <laughs> take your Hitler youth cardigans with you <laughs> oh dear I've missed this talking about Scott Park I mean I feel I got a load of people texting me yeah like I bet you're happy I'm like well yeah I am but you'll get another job because the narrative is is has been, oh, it's a bit harsh. It's a bit harsh if you see the fixtures. Like, you don't tend to survive a 9-0 loss. Was it it Brian Gunn, Norwich hero, opening day of the season, got done 9-0 and got sacked? Or it was like an 8-1 or something like that? Am I making that up? No, by culture. Got got done 6-0 or 7-0 by Colchester. And Paul Lambert was the Colchester manager. Sacked Gunn and and appointed Lambert and they took him up. There you are. Never know. Liverpool, so Bournemouth sack, uh, sack Parker, a point Klopp, Klopp wins Bournemouth the title. <laughs> you heard it here first. I mean, there's a few variables which I can't see happening, but if, if Liverpool... And bones about not being able to make 15 subs. <laughs> Brian Gunn searches his name on Twitter. He does. Does he? He's- because yeah. when when I went to Ips, we went to Ipswich a few years back, we stopped at Cambridge Services on the way down, and he was always on his way to Norwich or to watch Norwich somewhere, and he was at Cambridge Services, just killing time. So I tweeted something like, "Just seen right, took a photo." I said, "Brian Gunn wasting time at Cambridge Services like his shit housing son." <laughs> and about about a month later, he liked it and just sent a tears of laughter emoji back, and I hadn't, he wasn't tagged in it. Right, 
Ryan Gunn used to be. Where we're, we're, we're talking about what a complete performance last We've probably got a little bit, not so ragged with the subs. We, we, you know, we probably didn't keep possession as well. But everyone, it comes back to what we said before. Everyone comes on. that Luton wasn't the right way to, to give him his debut to be fair to him you know there's clearly a talented player there when he came on last night in much obviously much much better scenario to come onto the pitch he he got involved he put a beautiful cross in for Basham um, with a header that I think Basham you know, in some ways headed too well into the ground yeah he um, did but it was that was a fantastic cross when he picked him out so I think you know I think it's just like I say with patient he, he might come in some weeks if Sanders, Sanders being spotted in Sheffield by me at lunchtime today, nearly ran me over in the city centre. So, you know, he was in the city. He's not, not anywhere else for transfer talks today. You've not, not uh, revealed what pace he was driving at before, Ian. Where could he be going? Well, he, he, did, a, he did a bizarre manoeuvre around the back of the town hall. So where the registrar office was, I was walking on the pavement down there and he just swings his Range Rover or it was in, 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 into a, onto the pavement so he could manoeuvre around to pick his girlfriend up so obviously I wasn't expecting him to swing hard right into there so he wasn't going particularly fast it was more just caught me out if you had anything about you you would have let him knock you over and then blackmailed him into staying (laughs) I'm some sort of sacrificial lamb for the blade season (laughs) look we all have to do what's necessary yeah but no so I was going to say you can see you can see McAtee coming into you know start maybe some weeks we can give Sandra a rest especially if it might like, continue as the matches continue as they do up to the World Cup It's just a phenomenal amount of options we've got hasn't it like taking McBurney and, and Jai off last night and bringing Brewster and Kadra on and then bringing McAtee on and Sharp still nowhere near fitness and it's Bogle. just yeah Bogle still to come back in it, it's the options how quickly Heckingbottom's built this squad it's crazy, really, if you think about it. And also, it's it's quite telling of how good it is. It's a bit like at the end of last season where we had no choice but to play Jack Robinson for a couple, quite a few games in a row. But they're well-coached, they're well-drilled, and he ends up performing well. As I touched on before, nobody was expecting Norrington Davis and, um, and Lowe to be such a great partnership. 6-0, see you, Gargoyle. Um, I mean, they can afford the compensation, but like it's the the strength in that is clear. And like for me, Bogle's one of the most important players, and he's he's not going to be back till December. But the minute we don't look like we um, we miss him at all, it's it's really it, it's really exciting. And he said today he wants a midfielder. Yeah, I, I would just say I'm just about to say he said he's going to try and bring a midfielder in. So. You'd, you'd assume that's a bit more of a dynamic flex type player. Yeah. I mean, that's come from the Sheffield star. So somebody else might have reported it first, but yeah, um, I'm not sure. We'll see. I'm, I'm amazed you got that far without all the adverts and pop-ups. I think it was another account quote in James Shields, um, but he'll be, he'll just be upset that Chelsea got done over again last night, Southampton, but um, <clears throat> it was a. It was all, a. All we talked about last night, and we've barely mentioned Njai. I don't want to talk about him in case Premier League clubs listen to our podcast to uh, find out who the best players are at Sheffield United. No, he's he, he and he's he's frightening. He misses easy chances, and then the goal he scored. When he, when he when he took that step at the edge, I thought he can't get a shot away just from it was kind of in front of us, and I was thinking. And he just finished a bit like he did last week. Just that inside the post, not quite off the post, but just such a tight angle. Yeah, like you say, he misses two easy chances first off. But some of the runs where he was carrying the ball last night. He's the just, recovery tackle as well. He reminds me of yeah. Mane, like the way Mane does, used to, when he was like really on top of his game for Liverpool a few seasons ago. You'd get just as much back to back towards their own goal from him, right? And he's he's he's, he's got that aggressive streak as well. We talked about um, some players. I mean, we've got more aggression in the side now than I think we've had for a long time. 
um, which is handy in this division, as we all know. But like, and Jay is just frightening football. He's not going to be here next season, I don't think, whatever league we're in. But that's, I think he's that good. I think he's just going to go somewhere. I think if we go up, unless we get offered silly money for him, again, I know we're getting carried away. Last day of August, we're talking about potentially going up. I think if we go up, we get another season out of him. If we don't, I don't think we've got a prayer. I do think we're going to be, as much as we're, we're going to be nervous for the next 24 hours, I think we'll be nervous in January. I think we've got two, three, four players who clubs will genuinely be, be interested in come January. And players that if we lose them could, you know, could derail the season. Well, we've got, how many have we potentially got at the World Cup? And Jay could potentially be there. Norrington Davis is going to be there. One or two of those, if, if, if they have good World Cups, if they manage to get into the side, that's going to put them in the shop window for January straight away, isn't it? No matter where we are. Yeah, but people, clubs love buying players off the back of a decent World Cup, don't yeah, exactly. they? You always get players who, who kind of make the name and get a big move off that, yeah. Yeah, forgotten Jay will be at World Cup, yeah. Talking of, talking of players kind of moving on before we came on the pod, I saw uh, Mr. Bit in the paper now behind a paywall on Patreon suggesting that Asula could be off to Ipswich or Derby, which I think would be a good move if we're happy to keep Jebison. I think it's, I think it's like a fit toss of a coin, isn't it? Would you keep Asula or Jebison? Because I think they both bring similar things from what I've, the bits I've seen when they've got involved in the first team. But to go to a team that's going to be pushing top of top of League One is probably not a bad move. I think they need to both probably go and play football. But with Sharp's injury, I don't know if that happens. Yeah, not- I think it might be might be worthwhile sending one out on loan for the first half of the season and then recalling them and sending the other one out second half, give them half a season each. Because obviously Sharp's out and McBurney and Brewster don't exactly have immaculate bills of health, do they, over the time with us? No. Um, that sounds really sinister, but they, they both had shocking injury records for United. Always being either little things or bigger things. So I think it'd be, we can't say... It'd be, in an ideal world, we would, but we can't. But we'll see. And obviously... I've also seen today Egan linked with a last-minute move to Leeds. And shockingly... I've seen someone say, sell him. A United fan saying, sell him. And then someone's questioned him, well, how do we fix that? And he said, move Anel across, bash him in at right centre-back, and that fixes it. (laughs) No, it doesn't, because everything that Anel's doing for us, all right, Basham still does it, but that's, as much as we love Basham, Basham's a downgrade on you know, that's that's just the harsh reality of life. But is it is a downgrade? Is a downgrade on Egan in the middle as well? Or yeah, exactly. Goes yeah. In the middle. I, I like, can't believe that we've, we've we've put together such a side, and we're top of the table and looking imperious, and people would be happy for key members of that team to go. So the captain. Yeah, the captain. Twenty four hours before the window shuts. I mean, I don't know if you saw Heckenbottom's interview today, where the guy said, "Look, you know, have you got?" players lined up if the worst does happen and he kind of said yeah of course we've got two three four options at every position but if someone comes in and moves at the last minute but to then try and get them over the line with eight ten twelve hours to go it's crazy you just you're not going to do it so losing one of our key players would potentially derail the season so yeah it baffles me that people would would actively look to sell one of our one of our main players I think it's interesting because I think Egan's probably at times, and the way we play and the amount he sees the ball has meant that he's probably contributed to a couple of goals we've conceded. Probably, you know, probably one or two of the pressure points last night that, you know, we're self-inflicted yeah. came through him. What does that mean? Does that mean you'd sell him? I just find that just, you know, I accept it's the way we play and, and maybe, you know, we play, we play with a degree of risk. It's that old risk versus reward thing, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, surely we're not in a position where we need to sell Egan. How long has he got left? 2024 contract up. So he's got another season and a half, or season three quarters. Same as Bird then, isn't it? Yeah. So really, they've got to come in with something. You know, we've, it's got to be eight figures 
and in the, well, yeah, let's just I'm banging the kitchen banging the kitchen side there, but that's an, in the next 25 and a half hours. I just don't want to have to talk about this this sort of stuff anymore. I think we'd have I think selling Egan would be absolutely calamitous decision, like Dan says. I think it'd be really stupid. So it just it it takes away everything that's good about the defense at the minute. You've clearly got an organizer which allows the other two who are sparkling more than him, don't get me wrong, to do what they're doing is because somebody's in there allowing them to. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff transfer we do anyway. Yeah, I'd be glad when it's eleven o'clock tomorrow and we can all shut up about it. Because for once, I'm not going to be stayed up waiting until eleven o'clock if we're going to sign anybody that's sat in the train station like previous years. I think Jerome Sinclair's still there, eh? <laughs> I dread to think where he is. I think we have I think this he's, conversation. I think, he's, I think he's still there. I think they're just he's just classed as street art now. <laughs> Are you a Banksy? No. <laughs> <laughs> um. But talking of players last night, and we've touched on him already, but a nice link to our tournament squad. Um, friend of the pod, Connell, uh, got in touch and said, is it too early to put Annal in the uh, in the tournament squad? Now, we've got some unofficial rules, which we haven't really decided on. Uh, but They're evolving. Yeah, they're evolving, but it probably is too early. But we were talking before we came on to record, um, and it's quite obvious that this is the player that's made an instant impact. That going back as far as we can remember, like he's come in as a defender, he's now got three goals, he's clearly like got his personality in in spades, um, and like he's on the. He, he's just brilliant, and and Blaze fans love him, and he just so happens to have a funny name, um, which even makes things even more fun. But we were talking about a player who who came in with a similar um, impact and was equally exotic uh, for the tournament squad, and we all agreed on it. And who did we decide on, Phil? Uh, a young Greek right back, and it's not George Baldock. Vasilis Babakis who he made his impact to, at home to Sunderland with... He did score both goals, didn't he? Was it a free kick and then a, a, a left-footed sort of shot across No, he scored, scored one. He only scored one. He scored the one where he, he kind of made that diagonal run from right to left and, and put it into the right opposite far corner where he left. Far corner, right, free kick was later on, wasn't it? But what an impact he had as a, as a new sign-in that we didn't really know a great deal about. Obviously, we didn't have the internet sort of to, to research people or, or five-minute YouTube clips like we do nowadays of players. And this this unknown quantity came in and was an instant hit and I think goes down in folklore as one of our, probably our best ever right-backs. Got to be up there. Got to be, and considering, like, Eckenbottom was saying today, how well-scouted and well-researched and, and the Ahmed Hodzic squad and they had full full knowledge of him, we actually ended up signing Babakis not by accident, but we actually went to scout Kets Bayer, didn't we? Yeah. We actually went to scout Kets Bayer and actually and saw this right back and went, aye, aye, he looks all right. And Kets Bayer ended up at Newcastle and Babakis ended up at the lane. So. Imagine if we'd had Kets Bayer in that team, though. We'd have had no uh, advertising audience left. Flavors <laughs> <laughs> would have been fuming. <laughs> Oh yeah, Vass was, I, I got some grief in year seven at school, so I had him on my homework folder. I'll listen uh, to you. Lads, and one of, one of the other lads said, oh, it's a bit gay having a picture of a bloke on your folder. I'm like, it's not. I think I took it down, but I liked it when it was, no, I love I loved the Bacchus. On the, that classic um, lime green away shirt from that time, I had a, a number two, because that was back then, in the championship, or as it was then, uh, first division, you didn't have um, num- names on the back of the shirts, and the numbers that the players had were just assigned on the Saturday. Uh, still, which squad numbers came a few years later, I think it was like back end of that. And it was, yeah, Babakis, brilliant. Obviously, anyone who anyone who can hit a free kick that bends over a wall. I used to spend hours kicking it against my neighbour's fence, like 
trying to master the art of putting it in the top corner. I lost many a ball, broke many a fence panel, but had an absolute great time doing it. Just just an absolute cult hero. And so we out of all the like United greats of my time watching them, he's somebody who never really come back to the lane and like you know, occasionally they come on the pitch at half time. I can't remember Babakis ever doing that. Because he was straight back, was he straight back into? Well, he was at Derby, wasn't he? After really uh, shit move to Derby, it just that just always seemed like a really, a really odd sideways step. Did we get Kozluk in return as well? Yeah, Kozluk and Jonathan Hunt. Jesus Christ! But he went to Derby, and then went back to Greece, and then he's he probably had a gap, and then he was he's been manager, assistant manager at two or three clubs, including AK Athens, who we. I don't know how you pronounce that, but AK Athens that we signed him from. I, I remember that debut against Sunderland because um, I was watching it on a, a tiny TV in a bar in Cavos. And um, I'd got a Wednesday out with me. And he, the, he just got some out of the afternoon. Because we, we, start, we started that season with, with the Bokis in that right wing back position, but playing football that was just suddenly a level up again from what we've been watching. Yeah. And unlike anything we'd seen recently, you know, Kendall was quite, I'm going to say, it wasn't dull, it was it was good football, but it was reasonably steady Fun- and pedestrian. Functional. Functional, functional. football. Yeah. So, yeah. Someone's compared this current side, actually, to that Spikeman side. It's the most exciting side since that Spikeman side at the start of that season. Yeah. And I kind of see the parallels because that, that was a terrific side, but it, it, they were really good going forward as well, weren't they? Yeah. It all went pear-shaped, though, didn't it? Because we saw Lowell's best players, so... Uh... Two of them on one day. Let's like, not talk about parallels, then. Um... That, that's, that, I mean, that's what an impressive debut was, the fact that it overshadowed Dino's return. That, that day was all about, you know, the one of, or if not the greatest play United had ever had, coming back, and he got overshadowed by Babakis. So that, that really does take some doing. That tells you what a... What a special debut it was. That was McGrath's debut as well, wasn't it? As well being that day. Well, there were loads. I think Wayne yeah. Quinn, I think Nicky Marker, Nick Marker, McGrath, yeah. Dean. He, and he converted... Kind of rebuilt that side over the summer, hadn't he? He, he converted Mark Patterson into this cent, central midfielder because we'd had him and he'd been playing out wide, Patterson, and been absolutely ineffective and dog shit. And having listened to his under the cosh, I'm not surprised because he's absolutely nuts. <laughs> Um, have you listened to that where he talks about the murder and mentions how impressed he was with a woman's breasts? <laughs> Bonkers. Anyway, I digress. But yeah, they were. I've got his autobiography to read. I never started it on holiday, so that's that's on my reading list. Mark Patterson. So I haven't listened. Haven't listened to, yeah, I haven't listened to Under the Cosh because I thought I'll read the book first and then see if there's anything else comes out in Under the Cosh or any different. But as Dan pointed out, and I couldn't unhear it once he told me, the way he says buzz when he says bus is just incredibly off-putting. Yeah. That's that's, that's the Lancastrian thing through and yeah, through. Yeah, that did me. But um, I think was Vass also on the pitch at Highbury, I think. I seem to recall. Yeah, And Bruce, Bruce ragged them off, yeah. Yeah, Bruce to Bruce, he get them all. So he, he was involved in semi-final against Newcastle. So I read somewhere that it was one of the first Greek footballs in English football. This would have been Dabby's ass probably around that time, wasn't there, at Newcastle? But I can't think of many others. Because so obviously again, later, was... there were some real tongue twisters like Stelios at Giannakopoulos and well, talking of, talking, Tamaras. Of, talking of pronunciation, obviously, I used, my wife's a Bolton fan. I used, to go, I used to go and watch them sometimes with her. And as they used to call him at the Reebok... Coming on is number seven, Stelios Janakopoulos. <laughs> is that Ray Vaughan? Janakopoulos. We were signed Dallas at the same time, didn't we? Or yes. very similar. Yeah, and then we had we had George Donis for a short period of time, a bit further down the line, didn't we? Yeah. I don't remember Donis doing much, if at all. No, you, obviously Babakis had his had his the things that he did that everyone remembers. Delas obviously had a few moments that everyone remembers, predominantly that goal against Portsmouth. 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 Yeah, so he, he took the back of the net out. He uh, shut Mr. Portsmouth up. That cowbell stopped ringing, didn't it? When that thing went flying <laughs> in, 
Yeah, you're right. Donis, Donis was uh, was kind of less memorable, I think. I just I didn't realise. I think we, Bavokis had one of those faces that made him look about 45 when he signed. We're he like looked... smoke 45 a day. I yeah. mean, in the morning, like like heavy smoker. Like, yeah. Really it, looked a, it looked a lot like a bow selector mask. That's brilliant. I can't, I can't, can't, can't go beyond that. Vass, if you're listening, we love you. No offense. Um, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No offense. But, like, what a player and what an addition. We're starting to build a real good side there now, lads. We've got Alan Kelly in goal. Vasper Bocchi is one of our goalkeeping options. Vasper Bocchi's right back. Phil Jagielka centre half and Morgan Gibbs White in an advanced attacking position. Morgan Gibbs White, we're going to pick up from Forest next season for twenty million when we when we go up and they get relegated with the lowest points total anyone's ever had and a goal difference of minus eight thousand. <laughs> but every yeah, but I think. I think the arrogance of the Forest fans is is probably wearing thin. I don't remember the Leeds fans being as annoying as this, personally. Like, I, did, I did love on on Sunday when they played they played Spurs, didn't they? And they were singing Champions of Europe. You'll never sing that. And the Spurs fans were singing Champions of Europe. You weren't even born, which <laughs> I thought was brilliant. Yeah, I mean Forest can yeah. I think that's that's their entire thing. That's all. Well, nothing much has happened since then, has it? For them, but um, we've not actually. We usually finish on the World Cup squad, but we didn't do a preview for the whole game. Um, I think just a cheeky little score prediction before before we wrap things up, gents. Because obviously it's twenty five to eleven for Dan over in Norway. And uh, he's got to go and see what's on the local channels and see if there's a walloper on. <laughs> Is that a type of herring? Because I've had a lot of fish while I've been here. It's apparently a very scouse word for describing a porn film, which I found oh, out oh, right, okay. a few years ago. Mate shouted from the hotel room next door, John, Channel 26, there's a walloper on. Do you want to like do like soft or 80s things? Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm just being silly. Score prediction, Phil. Uh, I'm not sure how good a thing them getting beat last night was for them to get a kick up the arse, but I think it'd be our first away win of the season. I think we'll win 2-1. Sounds good. I, I think it'll... They're a different side to what I saw there last season. They're, they've got a bit more about them than that. A Stubian, Stubian up front, Columbian could be signed. Seems to be a bit of a poacher. Like you say, QPR, everyone can beat each other in this league at the minute. Everyone's capable of taking points off each other. I'll be delighted with a 2 1 win like Phil, but I have a feeling there'll be another away point. Yeah, uh, I'll give you. I'm, I'm with Phil. I think we nick it. I think we nick it 2-1. Score draw for me as well, Ian. Um, just, just trying to be a bit conservative because it's not been in any way negative, but we've not been using hyperbole about us winning the league tonight. I think there's too many nerves amongst the four of us. Yes, I, I have. <laughs> but this, it, it, it's interesting because the, the, with late goals last night for Watford and Norwich... They've maintained. So we've now got Burnley, Watford, Norwich all in that top five with us. So it's starting to shape with the teams you'd expect to see up there. And then it's who else who else pulls into those spots. So I think I think once they, they'd had a bit of an up and down start, I think Burnley have got a few draws. And you're thinking if that continues, they're just staying that few points adrift. But that late is it late winner for that? No, was it late winner for Watford last night? And Norwich. And Norwich. You know brought them back up closer to us. So it's it's an interesting group forming at the top. And Wilders Middlesbrough not looking their business at all. I mean, plenty of worse teams than them will lose to Watford this season, but it's quite interesting what we talked about in being under pressure. 
like it's like we said before. Um, all that bit, all the um, what would you say, the kudos he built up in the press and, and that sort of thing. And he was the next big thing. So was Nigel Adkins at one point, and then he, he had one bad job after another. Took took probably jobs he shouldn't have taken, and, and now he's you know he's stopped rock bottom. And I think Wilder's got to be he's got to be careful if it doesn't work out at Middlesbrough what he does after this because that'll be a fairly big failure with those in the, the last season he was here. Not doing much there. It's it's your stock can drop fairly quickly in this game. You can go from you know front page news to tomorrow's chip paper really quickly. Yeah. And sobering note to end on, let's hope that doesn't happen to us over the next few games. I can't see it. No, I, I think we're in a very good position, but hopefully when we get together to talk about the whole game, Phil and Dan are right, and me and Ian need to lighten up a bit and and be more positive. But um, I'll let Dan get on with his walloper, and um, I'm going to watch the last bit of the Liverpool game. But um, we had a few internet poems throughout that, because uh, Virgin Media are a set of CUNTs, but no offence to anyone. No, we're but... not getting that sponsorship deal from them now, are we? <laughs> <laughs> no, sadly not. Um, but we, hopefully, I think it still will sound okay. And I think this last half an hour has been bang on, but it's been good to chat with you boys. And I hope you're enjoying the podcast, everyone. I hope you're enjoying the news section and above all else, I really, really hope you enjoy watching this Chef United side because I maintain we're in for a very, very special season indeed. Up the blades. Up the blades. Up the blades. These trainers, Joe. What these? No, mate, I've had them for years. Just got them back from being clean. Look really good, don't they? Yeah, really? Is that a thing? Honestly, they look new, mate. They look class. Yeah, it's a thing. Really reasonable, too. Adam Dunn at this place called Glistening Kicks. They're in Sheffield. But fellas are blade, too. Oh, nice one. That saves buying new ones, doesn't it? How do I find them? I've got a few pairs I need looking at myself. Absolutely. Save, save me as someone who's got a bit of a trader for Hedge. An absolute fortune. You can get them on social media like most things these days. On Twitter at Glistening Kicks and Instagram at Glistening underscore Kicks, or they have a website www.glisteningkicks.co.uk. Give them a shout. The process is dead easy. They collect them safely and then drop them back off with you. And if you take them round yourself, that process could be even quicker. Um, they look, feel, and smell like new. And it's I'm, I'm absolutely chuffed, and I'm already looking at what pairs I'm going to take down um, next to have him look out for us. Nice one. Cheers for that. I'm going to get on to them straight away. What was their Insta again? At glistening underscore kicks. That's the one. Really good service and I couldn't recommend it enough to any blades. Brilliant. Nice one. All the blades.